This is a Lesson 15, Millart Podcast, Chapter 49, Germany Turns East, Barbarossa and the Holocaust. Quick side note, this is the very first podcast we're doing, and we're just going to roll with an unedited, free-flowing podcast, unless I really mess something up, then you'll hear a quick cut, and I'll go back to what I was doing. But we're just going to roll through those key terms of context, roll into chapter narrative summary, and then I'm going to have a little discussion, basically my my opinion of some of the things in the chapter, what stuck out to me. Uh, by no means is this the end-all, be-all thing you should be doing for studying, but this is kind of just what I did in podcast form, so you don't have to do this, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, key terms, number one, Lebensraum. Don't know if I pronounced that right, but it's the L word in the key terms. It's a German word for living space. So basically, Hitler needed a reason to... You know, you need a bunch of reasons to go and invade Russia. And this was one of the reasons. Uh, Germany did not have a lot of resources. They were trying to get more area for the people to live, obviously. And Russia was a great chance to do this. And another political aim, he was, you know, going against the Jews and the Bolsheviks. So that's racial and political enemies, respectively. And combining that in with the land, taking land for Germany, it was just a way to get people who were you know, against Jews, against Bolsheviks, and people who are also just for Germany gaining more land as a way to just rally everyone around an idea for more living space for Germans. It's pretty no-brainer for everyone to support. But his his strategy to get this was obviously to enslave, kill, and banish everyone who lived in that space. So Hitler, not a great guy. You heard it here first. Um, Next key term, Operation Barbarossa. This is where Hitler really gets specific on how he's going to do this in the worst way possible. He said specifically in the chapters, War of Extermination. There was going to be a race war. Specifically instructed his officers to violate the laws and norms of international conflict. Speed was the key in this operation because he did not have very good operational strategic support. A lot of the roads in Russia were dirt roads, and the railroads were not the same gauge, so they had to convert the railroads over so they could use the German railroad cars instead of the Russian railroad cars. Either way, long story shorter, they had these trucks, they weren't very reliable, and it was going to be very difficult for them to keep up with the armored and infantry advances to keep those supply lines going. Um, Throughout this operation, military and ideological imperatives drove both the racists and the non-prejudiced. Uh, so even people who did not consider themselves to be Nazis could find reasons why, with this Lebensraum stuff, they could find reasons why they would want to fight this war. And then you had those that were against Jews and Bolsheviks that would find a reason to support this operation. But the biggest thing that was, to me, stuck out was that the Germans needed food along the way, and their plan was just to starve the soviets by taking all of their food and kill all the prisoners and they really had no plan uh supporting themselves moving forward so it was actually funny in the chapter they mentioned that they wanted to basically just when they saw these problems of supply they said okay we just need to win the war faster so we don't have to worry about resupply not a great idea um this next one i'm gonna try to pronounce it einsatzgruben something like that that sounded pretty good Uh, But it was basically people in the SS working behind the lines to, quote, eliminate threats, end quote, to the regime. Basically, it was just eliminating people in Germany who were going to try to fight back from the inside. So namely communists and Jews. Um, Resistance was put out on the spot by any officer, by put out on the spot 
the chapter said that any officer had the ability to execute people on the spot um, and there would be no punishments for soldiers for crimes against the Soviets, which is kind of you know crazy to think about. And like I said before, no plans for the prisoners moving forward. So these this Einsatzgruppen and people were basically part of the SS that were back in Germany, making sure there are not going to be any insurgencies in the German homeland uh, to make sure those front lines can continue doing what they're doing. Uh, the, next, the, bunch, the rest of the key terms are pretty self-explanatory. The Red Army... That was just the uh, Russian army under Stalin. And then you could guess Joseph Stalin was the leader of Soviet Russia. Um, just a little sidebar on him. He had been nervous about Germany since the beginning of the war. And he took a, a very appeasing stance towards them. He gave them supplies and were supporting them and trying to be friends with them. Because he saw how strong Germany was. And when they rolled through France in weeks... You know, that was a big concern for him. He was just trying to stay on Germany's good side up to the point where he basically, Joseph Stalin basically did not tell his commanders to organize the troops in a defense fast enough. Literally up until the day the Germans attacked, he refused to try to provoke Germany by going into a defensive stance for himself. And then the final solution, one of the most despicable things a human being has ever come up with, uh, Hitler's plan to have a physical annihilation of every Jew in the sphere of influence and eventually the world. That was the final solution to the, quote, problem of um, the Jews. So that's really the key terms. I think the ones that would probably come up as an ID SIG, I think that highlight one, the most valuable key term, would be, I think, Lebensraum, because it's one of those that they try to throw you off with because it's, it's not English. But it's a good way to explain the strategy behind the Germans. And I bet if you throw that down in an essay, it would probably work out pretty well. But those are the key terms. Um, And we're going to move on to the chapter narrative. So to start off this chapter narrative, just like to say that this is going to be much more free-flowing. Just my thoughts. I'm going to just go through the sections. I'm not trying to take up too much time. But this is really not going to be all that much organized except by section. So the intro really talked about how 75% of all German casualties and over 30 million Russians, military and civilian, were killed in this eastern front of the war. It basically decided the Second World War. As much as we Americans like to think it was all on the western front, this this side was really, really, they, they said it was hard to overstate how how crazy this part of the war was. This is the closest thing the war world has ever seen to a total war. And honestly, Stalin was not ready. He was expecting the Western Front to uh, occupy all of Germany's time. I hope Germany was going to be weak. He was trying to be friends with Germany. Um, and the Soviet Red Army was just not ready. They were just not modernized enough. Their officers were inexperienced, and they were just rapidly trying to be ready. And the Germans were pumped. They, they were really feeling themselves. They were, they were not expecting a British fight. Um, they thought the the British were going to roll over, and the British did not. So they were pretty worried about that because the British have shown through the Battle of Britain in the previous chapter how they would be willing to fight back. And Churchill, you know, badass dude, not going to give up the fight. And so Germany, like we mentioned before in the key terms, turned to the Soviets for land political reasons. You know, land, Lebensraum, and political, the final solution and trying to take out the Bolsheviks as well. Um, and current colonies were economic liabilities. So all of these places, Germany just took over all this stuff. They were running out of resources, and they needed 
they needed to go get some from Russia. But I think the most, the biggest key as to why, if you were to write one reason why Hitler went into Russia, I would say that it was to use Russia as a way, and the book agreed, the, to get Russia, to get the British to surrender. Um, because if Russia were to be defeated by the Germans, Germany would own the entire continent and British would have, would be fighting a a losing war because Germany could fight them indefinitely, even against the United States with all the resources and manpower. Um, so, you know, one of the big discussions, questions are why, why would Hitler invade Russia for that living space to defeat racial and political enemies? And the victory would affect effectively, demand British surrender and domination of the European sphere of influence. Um, his higher Hitler's higher leaders actually disagreed. Um, didn't think this was a good idea because they didn't think a two front war was a good idea. I mean, they saw what happened in world war one when you try to do that. It's just tough stuff, but that's, that's basically what the intro was talking about. Moving right along that German plan was basically a three pronged attack from the North, the center and the South as they called it, with their big armies in each of those sections. And they were going to push hard, get a foothold, and then take a three-week pause for rest and refit. Now, that makes sense if you consider that they didn't have those supply lines, but that was that was just the plan. It, it never really happened, though. Um, the Soviets couldn't, didn't think, they didn't think the Soviets could stop them. They didn't have the resources. Um, but the Soviets were actually stronger than believed. They had a lot of numbers. That's the key thing throughout this entire chapter. They talk about the Soviets just through bodies, at the Germans, and eventually, you know, that would overpower the Germans because it's hard just to beat it when you know you throw millions of people at you. Um, the the Germans actually had bad intelligence; they didn't really inspect, respect intelligence, which is just kind of silly when you're fighting such a big war. Um, a lot of officers thought anyone could do it, and they they got it wrong. They thought there were only two million Russian troops at a time when there were five million, and they guessed where the Russians were going to be, and they were wrong, and they definitely paid the price for that one. But they basically needed a fast victory. A lot of their stuff was horse-drawn artillery, horse-drawn supply lines. The infantry could not keep up with the armor. It was just just a bad plan. And the, and the chapter gave two reasons why this is such a bad plan. Intellectually, honestly, they just thought Germany just thought Russia was weaker than it really was, and just underestimating, underestimating your enemy in any situation is not the best of ideas. And then institutionally, the Germans really focused on the operational stuff. So it's basically they what they would do is they would imagine an op word, right? They would write the scheme maneuver before anything else and not take in sustainment or command and control or anything into that. So basically they would write how the attack's going to go, and then they would go to their intelligence guys and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Find a way to support it. Go to the supply guys and do the same thing. And when you don't have this you know, collective understanding, mutual understanding – um, of the mission, you won't have supporting factors, and that's going to be a big problem for the Germans moving forward. Now we'll get the chance to dive in a little deeper into Operation Barbarossa. Um, like we talked about, it's a key term. It's a war of extermination, race war, violate all the norms and laws of international conflict, and speed and resources were the key. Found a lot of ways to convince people to fight for the Germans, ideological, political, and economic. That's the theme for the chapter. A lot of different reasons why people would fight. But the on the Soviet side to defend it, you know, they had a hard time getting together because the officers were new. 
this, these modernization efforts were going super slow, and the recruits were really soft. They hadn't they hadn't fought before. They were really green, and the Red Army and the Red Air Force uh, were really big. Like they had a ton of stuff, but they just weren't well trained, and they were just all offensive minded. Even though they were the ones being invaded, they were thinking about the offense. The big thing, the Soviet strategy, has always been a counteroffensive. So the Soviets were playing on doing, receiving the offensive with offense and then sending another counteroffensive against the Germans. That was basically the plan the whole time. And that was ultimately their weakness at the beginning because they didn't have any fortifications on the Polish border. They had ever-changing leadership, and they had a bad guess at German plans. Neither side really had good intelligence, but the Russians messed it up a lot too, especially with the defensive stuff. And politically and diplomatically, they were just... They did not understand, Stalin at least, did not understand why Germany would attack Russia, trying to appease them. They're not causing any trouble. And that's why, for a lot of reasons, among other reasons, they were very late into the defensive positions. Only one officer really just did not listen to his Stalin's orders and put the, his guys in defensive positions. But largely everyone else uh, heeded his commands and didn't go in defensive positions until the very last day. Literally, they were already under attack before Stalin sent out the word to go to defensive positions. I think that was obviously a huge misnomer on his part. So the battle begins with a lot of air raids and artillery strikes uh, by the Germans, caught the Soviets on the ground, out of position. So a lot of their planes weren't able to get up. And even the planes that were able to get up didn't really do that great of a job because the Germans were just better in the air and that that's really honestly the theme for this entire fall season into the winter was that the soviets just continued to throw bodies and the germans continued to knock them down but at one point the germans just could not overcome the the amount of people that were coming at them but nevertheless back to the beginning of the battle the supremacy the air supremacy came very quickly for the germans very easily they did a lot of radio jamming and actually sent commandos on some deep raids into the Russian line, which caused a lot of confusion. And, you know, with the northern prong of the German army, army heading to Leningrad, the center going to Moscow, and the south going to Kiev, the Russians were really, really struggling to get their stuff together. But in the south, at least, that's where the Russians had massed their forces that's where the Germans had the hardest amount of time. But at the end of July, which is basically after a month of fighting, um, the Germans were getting close to hitting their goals, at least in the north and uh, in center. And even the south had made significant progress. And these Germans were just super confident, keep rolling. And in that, even in that first month of fighting, hundreds of thousands of Russians died. These are at scales that we just, it's hard to fathom um, in this day and age. But German supply was still a problem. It was falling short, falling way behind. They're having trouble getting equipment up to the front lines. And the Russians weren't giving up. After a couple weeks of fighting, they were able to mass 5.3 million more men to join the fight. Um, against the Germans. So it was very clear that the the Russians were not going to give up. So now thinking more into the strategy, the Germans have been fighting a little bit, and Hitler's now thinking, reconsidering his strategy. Uh, He basically thought Moscow was going to be the Alamo. It was going to be where the Russians were going to go fall back to. It's going to be hard to defeat. Uh, One of his main chiefs, 
of I think of chief staff or one of his big generals, Halder, H-A-L-D-E-R, disagreed. Um, but Hitler was against his officers, kept wanting to attack where it was weak. So he put Moscow on hold against his higher officials' uh, suggestions and basically split the center army um, in half, half to support the northern prong, half to support the southern prong. And that actually worked pretty well. Uh, cut off Kiev. Russians lost in a big way, lost a lot of people, and uh, just kept moving forward. And then created Operation Typhoon, which is the operation designed to get to Moscow. And Russia was feeling really weak. They had three fronts they were fighting on. But uh, the Germans were getting weaker. Their their losses were high. Their equipment was falling out. and But there was basically a 300-mile gap in the Russian line that led straight to Moscow. It seemed like losses imminent. But there were three things, three key things that the chapter laid out as to why Moscow didn't fall as quickly as people might have thought it would. First, there were 400,000 plus civilians that dug defenses around Moscow. So that was huge. A lot of uh, tank trenches were dug by these civilians. And they, they got the local militia to guard these defenses, and that was super helpful. And then the... Uh, Germans basically broadened their front. So instead of flanking and surrounding or maybe massing effects, they they, they got cocky and they they broadened their front, which kept them from getting a really decisive attack very quickly. And then third, this fall rain comes in. Now that's that's the big key here. There's actually the fall rain. I'm not even going to try to say this word, but there's a Russian word to describe this fall rain, and it loosely translates to time with no roads. Because all of their dirt roads, the rain just washed them all out. So there's no moving anything. The horses, there's a picture in the chapter of horses being stuck in it. And there's no way the trucks are getting through. And so basically, in mid-October, the Germans had to stop. And they had to wait until the, the roads froze over for them to go in. Now, some foreshadowing. Attacking Russia in the winter, not a good idea. Just keep that in mind. Uh this is a good chance for Adolf Hitler to sit back and think, hey, maybe we should go on the defense. Maybe we should let our supply lines catch up. Maybe we should do something. Um, but instead, he says, no, we're gonna, we're just going to keep on moving. And, uh, and then just kept on moving there. Uh, just for some context, two million, two million Russian uh, men had been killed between September and December. And that, that, that number is pretty incredible. Uh, it's something cool. I mean, not cool, but something interesting to think about when you think about the scale of this war. But with the Russian winner, uh, things are about to turn. The tides are about to turn in favor of the Russians because they started bringing in some Siberian forces because they knew Japan wasn't going to attack in the east. So they brought these these guys over from Siberia, which if anyone's prepared to fight in the winter, it's probably those guys. Brought them over to the west side of Russia uh, to continue the fight. Before we dive into how the next stage of the fight's going to go in this winter time, the chapter took a step back and talked about what it was like to be uh, just a citizen of Russia at the time. They they had a rough time under this totalitarian whatever regime. They were not treated very well. And the Soviet plan of total war, of scorched earth warfare, was basically ripping up their own land as they fought, 
which, I mean, that means the enemy, the Germans, and their own country are tearing apart the country, which isn't fun. Um, not a lot of food, everything in there uh, for the people. And the Soviets actually welcomed the Germans as liberators. They thought the Germans were going to treat them better. Even though they'd be prisoners, they would have been treated better than the Soviets did. But it, Which Germany didn't take advantage of, which is kind of weird. You would think it would be a good idea for the Germans to take hold of this anti-Soviet government thing and try to get the local populace on their side, maybe get them to help out the war effort and subvert their own government. But instead, they the Germans just didn't. Um, but they, for a few reasons... And one of the reasons was that they thought this whole thing would be quick. You know, story of every military failure ever. Thought it would go quickly, and it didn't. Um, they thought the military necessity of taking all this starving and killing all these um, civilians was greater than the strategic value of the of maintaining the populace, which they might have had some validity there uh, because they didn't have a lot of food and resources, so they had to take it from somewhere. And... Um, Above all things, this ignorant hatred of Jews and Slavs kept uh, kept the Germans just just killing people, just like just killing innocent people uh, for nothing more than their race and their beliefs and things like that. Um, and and so in, in short, it was it was a terrible time, terrible time to be a civilian in Soviet Russia because they're just getting destroyed on both sides, and there's nothing they could really do about it. To close out this chapter narrative summary. Uh, there's basically a, a massive counteroffensive at the center uh, from Moscow, and it was terribly cold, three feet of snow on the ground, and it almost destroyed the entire German army in the center, at least. But the only thing that kept the Germans alive was Hitler's determination. That was really the only thing that kept the German army going was Hitler just keep pressing, and even though his, his officers were trying to tell him to take to pull back, he continued pushing forward, and Hitler eventually, after this, this counteroffensive, which he lost, um, he fired pretty much all of his generals, and he just personally took charge of the situation, and uh, that's what the status would be for the rest of the war. Finally, the chapter closes out on these three turning points in the war that that would basically shape the next at least couple chapters and as well as the rest of the war the failed german invasion of russia obviously was big lost a lot of people the russians were now very invested had lost a lot of lives a lot of resources germany had committed to a two-front war again second turning point was the declaration of war on the u.s of a December 11th, four days after Pearl Harbor, Germans try, uh, decided to declare war on Uncle Sam, and that uh, that would not go well for them. But uh, Hitler would, would turn and go for Stalingrad, and uh, the final solution, as it's so-called, was basically determined at this point, and it was the complete utter annihilation, like we talked about in the key terms, of all Jews... Um, in the sphere of influence in Europe, and then eventually across the entire world. So now we'll move into this kind of discussion of what I think was important in my key takeaways for the chapter, and we'll try to keep this under 25 minutes. So just to start this kind of discussion with myself about this, to summarize the chapter, the the conclusion chap a part of the chapter actually talked about um, how ideology, culture, politics, 
economics and warfare were all intertwined. And I wanted to make sense of that because I think that would be a really compelling way to write a paper. You could write a thesis that includes a couple of these um, and talk about how the reasons the Germans went to war, the, the how Russians were going to combat that, things of that nature. Um, but I listed down here that the ideology that the uh, the Germans were going for is against the Jews, is a racial war. The culture, they were going against the Bolsheviks, the Slavs, all that stuff. Um, politically, they were against communism. Uh, they just had they just thought Russian communism was evil or something. I don't... It's really just it was just a political battle trying to gain land as well, but that also feeds into economics, where they just wanted to get more land. And warfare is a good way to accomplish all of these things. If you want to get rid of your enemies, shooting them is probably a pretty a pretty good way to do it. And if you want more money in land, you just go take that land with your guns. And basically, that was the German strategy. That's how they got Germans uh, locked into this fight fighting this two front war and Hitler had some, had some reasons. I mean, he, he didn't just attack Russia for no reason. You know, he, he wanted this Levenstrom and the final solution and all of this stuff. But essentially the Germans thought they could run right through Soviet Russia. They could just do whatever they wanted because they ran through France so quickly. If you think about it, so they couldn't even run, they couldn't get through France in four years in world war one. But they were able to do it in weeks in World War II, so they were really feeling themselves. And they wanted that land for a growing country and to put out their political aims as the final solution. And that's that's just what they set out to do. And they didn't have the supply lines. We talk about it all the time. That strategic support is very important. You can't just say, I don't have enough supplies, so I'm going to win before I need supplies. I mean, you can say that all you want. It's not going to really work out that well. People are still going to be hungry. You're going to need to refill your trucks and you're going to need to get things there and ammunition is important and the russians while they started off just throwing uh people at the i mean i think at the end of this campaign at the end of the war they would lose about uh upwards of 40 percent of their entire population to this war and at the beginning it was just of course just trying to put as many people out there as possible eventually as time went on they got better trained better equipment better skilled and they were able to um, turn the tide with not just numbers, but with strength and skill. And I just really commend the Russian army for continuing to fight like that. That's just basically, they just sold out everything they could to defend Moscow and to defend Russia as best they could. Because the Germans, uh, by all, like on, on paper, other than the size advantage, they, they dominated every other part. They had the better air force, better ground troops, better tanks, all that stuff. But the Russians were able to grit it out and just try to keep their guys on the ground and supply them as much as they could and hit them with those counteroffensive that they were just really not ready for. The winters in Russia, um, we've seen that before. It just doesn't work out, and the Russians were able to take advantage of that and push them back, and now basically delayed long enough for the Americans to get involved, and now Germany is going to have to fight a much much more difficult two-front war now that they just um, called out the Americans, and now they just gave an uh, ideological reason to fight war um, by saying that they're just going to kill millions of innocent people just because of what they believe in. So it should be interesting. The next chapter um, should be telling of uh, what's going on in the next stage. But I'd just like to close this out. I'd like to thank you. I'm sorry if this is a little choppy or if I repeated words or said a lot of ums or whatever. 
but this is my first go at it. Uh, again, please give me your comments, suggestions, whatever. Millartpodcast.com brought to you by the entrepreneurship team. Love to hear your thoughts. And if you, if you or someone you know would like to come on the show or maybe an instructor or something like that, we'd love to have you. Uh, just shoot me an email. I'll put it on the site and uh, we'll get it going because I'd really much rather have these discussions with other people who are far more intelligent and funny and have a better sounding voice than me. So uh, with that, I'd just like to thank you for listening and I look forward to your feedback. Thanks.